What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. The Mind Flayer, it built this monster in Hawkins to stop Elle, to kill her and pave a way into our world. And it almost did. That was just one tiny piece of it. How big is this thing? It's big. 30 feet at least. Yeah. It sort of destroyed your cabin. Sorry. Okay, so just to be clear, this this big fleshy spider thing that hurt L, it's some kind of gigantic weapon? Yes. But instead of like screws and metal, the Mind Flayer made its weapon with melted people. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just making sure. Are we sure this thing is still out there, still alive? I'll beat the shit out of it, but yeah, it's still alive. But if we close the gate again... And cut the brain off from the body. And kill it. Theoretically. Welcome back, everybody, to Stranger Danger, where today, finally, we talk about Stranger Things 3, Chapter 8, The Battle of Starcourt. But before we do that, I want to take a few moments to um, give some shout-outs to people, some, some fair, great, wonderful listeners out there. Uh, that I have uh, heard from on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on text message, uh, and I've seen in Apple podcast reviews. So, uh, and in no particular order, and if I, if I missed you, then uh, I apologize, but I, I went digging through everything and I made a list. And I want to give a shout out to Stephanie Quick, who messaged me on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. A shout out to David C., um, who apparently I've known since I was three years old. A shout out to Alex on Instagram. Thank you for listening. A shout out to Smila Wergeni. I apologize if I screwed up that pronunciation, but thank you so much for the email that you sent. A shout out to Abigail Webster for a, a great email and uh, a review on Apple Podcast. Shout out to Zoldwam, Zold, Zoldman. And from someone else who says, I want to be anonymous, please. Well, you're still anonymous, but thank you for the Apple Podcast reviews. And, of course, 
the last one to Cubone and Natutrain Lannister fan on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, everybody. Just shout- oh, wait, wait, one more. A shout out to a Jess up in Biddeford, Maine. It says here your boyfriend is a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. That's that's sad. And uh, lastly, um, it looks like Stranger Danger on Spotify is the number thirty-two. Uh, television and movie podcast uh, in the country of Mexico. So uh, I should have really looked up the right way to say this, but what? Muchos gracias, Mexico. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the show. So why don't we get started right away talking about the Battle of Starcourt right after we hear from today's sponsor. Our episode opens right back up with the adults. We got Murray, we got Hopper, we got Joyce, who we last saw racing away from the fair after Alexi's murder. They're trying to get the kids back on the radio, uh, but they're not having any luck. Still nothing? Nothing. Food court? Are you sure they said food court? I'm sorry. Have my translation skills been letting you down? We don't know. It's your kids. Yes, we do. Joyce knows. She just knows it's it's their kids. And uh, she does not slow down that car at all as she heads off to the mall. Speaking of the mall, we cut over to the Starcourt Mall and... We're with Eleven, and she is in some serious distress. I believe it was the last episode. She, uh, it ended with her screaming in pain. And right now, she is screaming. She is sobbing. The bite on her leg is pulsating, and uh, everyone there, all the other kids are just looking on helplessly. You can actually see something moving under Elle's wound. It's, it's pretty gross. Um, Jonathan is like, keep her, keep her talking, keep her talking, keep her still, keep her awake. And then he runs off to one of the food court restaurants, jumps over the counter, grabs some gloves, a wooden spoon, and what looks like a knife. And then he heats the knife um, up over a burner on the stove. So um, he has a plan. He runs back and he tells Eleven, you need to hold still. He gives her the wooden spoon to bite down on. So at first I was like, why the hell does he want a wooden spoon? But obviously he wants her to bite down on it because something painful is about to happen. And yes, he cuts right into the wound in her leg with the knife. And the kids are freaking out. Eleven is screaming in pain. I'm freaking out. Then he goes into the wound with gloves on. And and he starts fishing around with his fingers. And it is gross. Everyone is kind of getting like squeamish and freaking out. Eleven is like just completely in so much pain. She finally like screams for him to stop, stop. She takes the 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 spoon out of her mouth and she's like, "I can do it. I can do it." So now everyone just kind of stands back. And she starts, like, using her powers. And you can see she's in pain. She's pulling this thing, and it's moving. It's wiggling. And she is, like, putting everything she can into this. And and she exerts so much power, so much force, that the window behind her just shatters. 
and she does not stop. Everyone freaks, she does not stop. She gets this thing out of the air, out of her leg, flings it in the air, and flings it across the floor. Where it walks a little, it walks a little, and then... The foot of Hopper crushes it. And the kids and the grown-ups are finally united. I love a good reunion. So the opening credits uh, come at that moment, and then we come right back to the mall. And they're all standing around. Um, Hopper is comforting Eleven, and uh, Mike is basically catching everybody up, catching all the adults up, catching up the mall rats, uh, kind of letting them know what they've been up to this season, right? All that gross mind flayer stuff, all that, all that uh, monster people goo stuff. That was the clip that I played to open up the episode. So Murray comes over with some rough, like, blueprint schematic sketches of the underground base that Alexi wrote out for him. Uh, he's going through these things, uh, but that's when Erica butts in. It's actually a pretty funny moment, saying that if you listen to Mr. Bum Man, uh, you're all going to die. And Dustin is like, she's right. Uh, you're all going to die, but you don't have to. Now, Murray is beside himself, annoyed uh, as Dustin takes over. And what I like is that Murray is basically annoyed by the kids throughout the season. He's annoyed by... Um, by Dustin, most of all, I think, because Dustin just emits confidence in everything he does. And for some reason, that really strikes Murray um, just in an annoying way. Uh, so Dustin takes the, the, the notes. He, he basically takes over. He takes the, the, the sketch, and he shows them um, how to get to the weapon much quicker using the ventilation system. And he's like, it's a bit of a maze, but between me and Erica, we'll show you the way. Hopper's like, you'll show us the way? And Dustin's like, look, don't worry, okay? You can do all the fighting, all the scary stuff, and we'll just be your navigators. And Hopper just looks at him in a very matter-of-fact way and says, No. No. Look, these kids have been through a lot. They've, um, Dustin has more experience down there than any of the adults. But come on. There is no way Hopper is going to let those kids go down there. So we cut um, immediately to, uh, it's like the same scene, just like five seconds later, uh, Hopper's going through some of the dead Ruskies stuff to get guns. And Erica is like, we're all going to die. And Dustin's like, yeah, we are. And Lucas trying to, you know, trying to like um, to, to be positive. He's like, hey, you guys survived. And there was a great moment, actually, where Dustin said, um, barely, he goes, we really could have used you guys down there. I missed you. And um, we missed you, too. And it was nice just to kind of see all four main boys together showing a little emotion, showing a little um, vulnerability, and just kind of, you know, how much they really all depend on each other. And, of course, Erica is right there to put an end to all the mushiness with the great line, please don't cry, nerds. Hopper then breaks things up um, and comes over, and uh, it turns out he doesn't totally dismiss Dustin's idea of getting help navigating the, uh, the underground base. Hey, heads up. You can navigate just with someplace safe. It's not that simple. The signal won't reach. Not with this. 
You need something with a high enough frequency band to relay with the Russian's radio tower. But for that to work, you need to have someone who has both seen their comms room and has access to a super-powered handcrafted radio tower. One preferably already situated at the highest point in Hawkins. Oh, wait. That's me. If you want us to navigate, you got us. But we need a head start. And, and a, a car. car. I love it. I love that line. Uh, so, Steve, Robin, Erica, and Dustin all head off to um, they need to get to Dustin's Super Cerebro ham radio. I love that the radio is coming back into play. They, they introduced something in the first episode. It really didn't play much of a part till then, but now it's going to have some sort of payoff. Um, and more importantly, the car. Oh, they get to all drive the Todd father, which Steve seems to love. It's like, oh, come to Papa. He got, he's got himself a convertible. Um, which, believe me, I probably still love driving a convertible. I've driven one a couple times. Uh, so they all pile into the car, and they head off. You know, the group finally comes together, which I've mentioned numerous times how much I love this. And immediately, they start breaking off again. We got the radio gang heading off, uh, and now we got the rest of the kids. We got Eleven, Lucas, Mike, Will, Max, Nancy, and Jonathan. And they're all heading to Murray's house to stay safe. So um, they gave him keys for this. Uh, and they're, that, that's the plan, Elise, okay? You and I know, you know, nothing quite goes as planned um, when it comes to Stranger Things. But that's the plan. So um, there's a nice touching moment where Eleven, you know, says to Hopper, she's like, you know, I can fight. And he's like, yeah, better than anyone. I know. But right now I need you safe. He's like, this thing is after you. It's not after me. Do you understand? I need you to understand. It is every moment with Hopper and Eleven in this episode is sad to me because it just it just feels tragic. Now, you and I know it doesn't have to end tragic and it probably won't end tragic. But they don't know this, okay? So just seeing them, um, how much they've bonded, how close they've come together, um, I love it. And it just makes me sad that they um, there's going to be at least a while before we ever see something like that again. So, um, and, I, and I wrote this down. They hug, and when you realize it, um, or at least at the time, this hug, I believe, is the last moment they're together, right? You know, I just watched this. You think I'd know? Um, but man, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Uh, he tells Mike. He grabs Mike one more time. He just tells him to be careful. And then the kids are all off. And then Joyce walks right up next to Hopper, and Hopper's like. Uh, Two-man operation. Two! Yeah, well, change of plans. Change of plans? Yeah, will you explain it to me? We have two options here, Jim. We can turn the machine off or we can explode it. Oh, yes, says who? Says the man who built it. Yeah, and we want to explode or it. Or else our heroic efforts will be for not this. It's a three-man operation, Jim, not two. Yeah, three! So as much as Hopper does not like the idea, Joyce is staying with him and Murray as they make their way deeper into the hidden Russian base 
below the shopping mall. I, I, I love saying that. The hidden Russian base below the shopping mall. Just, just think about that. How, how excellent that is. So the rest of the gang pile into the wheeler wagon. And of course, classic 80s horror movie trope, the car is not starting. Serious, come on! Didn't your mom just buy this car? Yes, I'm sure it's fine. Did you leave the lights on? No. Do we have gas? Yes! Come on! Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop. Pop the hood. What the hell? The ignition cable's gone. Oh, shit, that's Billy's car. Uh, okay, so the ignition cable's gone, so obviously there's been some sort of dastardly deed done to this car, and uh, we see Billy, or at least possessed Billy, revving his engine, basically pronouncing his intentions to take them all out. Nancy, being really the badass she is, just quickly, without even thinking about it, just... Boom, get everybody out of the car, everybody back into the mall. So we go back to Murray, Hopper, and Joyce, and they're making their way down the same elevator that the mall rats did uh, a couple episodes back. Murray is um, talking about yanking on these cables to set off an alarm. Uh, According to Alexi, may his uh, soul rest in peace, that should give Hopper and Joyce enough time to retrieve the keys to get to the vault um, and then they could go and turn the machine off. And the machine will go kablooey, the rift is closed, and then they sneak back out through the vents, home free, easy peasy. Right? God, just because it wasn't your plan doesn't mean it was a bad plan. I didn't say it was a bad plan. You made noise. I did not make a noise. I didn't make a noise. What is up with you you and children? Children. It is a good plan. A solid B, which is laudable given the situation and time constraints. Dare I say, if it all goes right, they'll never even know we were here. Of course, this next second after Murray says that, the elevator door opens up, and there are Russian soldiers with guns standing right there. Uh, they, They start to kind of raise alarm, but Murray's like, no, no, he starts speaking in Russian, trying to calm them down, saying he has documents for their lieutenant. It slowed them down for a second, but one of the guys is like, um, what lieutenant? And then Hopper just comes out with a machine gun, and blows those soldiers to smithereens. Now, look, it wasn't very low-key, but it was effective. Murray's like, I had it under control. Joyce is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He grabs one of the soldiers' hats, Puts it on and says, improvising. It was a very kind of like cool moment. You know, it was like, what are you doing? I'm improvising. Reminds me of like, like, what is it? The CBS like CSI where, where David Caruso would take his glasses off and say a line. I don't know. Just the, the improvising just felt really cool. I don't know. We cut over to the Todd Father car. And uh, Robin, Steve, uh, Erica, and Dustin are speeding along, listening to tunes. According to Dustin, they're almost there. And Robin mentions, wow, Susie must be pretty great to go through all this trouble to talk to her. Kids, you couldn't possibly understand. Um, You just couldn't get on your phone and video chat with friends back then for free. You know, even phone calls were out of the question because 
There was something called long distance. Ask your parents. Ask my parents. The amount of money that I spent on long distance calls when I was in college. Calling my girlfriend. I married her, though, so it worked out. But we still haven't paid them back. Don't, In fact, don't mention this to them because I don't want them to ask about the money. Anyway, Dustin is like, look, nobody's perfect, but Susie is about as close as you can get. <laughs> Erica calls BS and says that she sounds made up. And she asks Steve, who hesitates just just long enough to, uh, to get Dustin annoyed. Then he just yells, left, turn left, out of nowhere. There's like no road. And he's like, turn left. Steve cuts it left right onto some grass. They smash through this fence. And they're basically four-wheeling through like this wet, grassy field. Steve and Robin are panicking. They're like, where are we going? And Dustin says, up. And they're heading up the hill. But... Unfortunately, the Todd father has its limitations, and they end up getting stuck. So they all have to get out, and they have to hoof it the rest of the way up the hill. At the top of the hill, we do see Dustin's antenna, and we can hear a voice coming clearer and clearer in. Scoop troops, do you copy? Scoop troops, say that fast. Do you copy? I guess uh, the gang that I've been calling the Mallrats for, for the last few episodes, they're now the Scoops Troop. So the Starcourt 7, wait, 7, right? I counted it. So we got Lucas, Max, Will, Mike, 11, Nancy, Jonathan. Yeah, 7. Starcourt 7. They're still in the mall. And we see the other end of the conversation. Mike is using his walkie-talkie to call to the Scoops Troop, trying to reach them uh, to let them know that Billy has disabled their car and they are trapped in the mall. And while this is going on, uh, Nancy, of course, is checking through the, the dead Russians looking for guns. Have I mentioned yet in this episode what a badass Nancy has become this season? I know I've done it in the past, but I feel like I deserve to say it constantly. Now, Max is like, you're going to kill him, aren't you? Talking about Nancy and Billy. And Nancy says, this is only for precaution. And it's not just for Billy, because if Billy knows that they're there... So does the mind flayer. Mike is repeatedly trying to get Dustin over and over on the line, but no luck. So Nancy jokingly says, uh, can we get that car to drive? And, you know, it's the smash car that Eleven used to destroy those Russian soldiers. Uh, and Jonathan had a pretty good idea. He's like, well, we don't need the car. We just need the ignition cable. Because that's the cable that Billy stole from the station wagon of the Wheelermobile. So all the kids strain. They're, like, trying their best, trying to flip the car over so they can get to the cable. But they just aren't having any luck. Let me try. L. I can do it. So everybody stands back, and Eleven, in a weakened state, tries to use her power to move the car. She seems to be giving it all she can. Her nose is bleeding. She's, she's, she's struggling. And, and suddenly, she just lets out this gasp. And we don't know what happens because we cut back to the Russian bunker. So there's this Russian guard who's stationed, I don't know, someplace down below. He's smoking and he's... Uh, you know, just kind of minding his own business when along comes 
this tram car approaching. In the car, there are two soldiers in ill-fitting uniforms that he does not recognize. In the tram, we see that those two soldiers are Hopper and Murray. So they pull up, and Murray starts sweet-talking the guy about how they just arrived, explaining why he didn't recognize them. They talk a little bit. They share a good laugh, actually, and he lets them through. Once they get through the, the way they wanted to go and the door closes, Hopper and Murray pull the tram over, open the back uh, where Joyce was hiding. She's also dressed in uniform, and she looks even funnier because she's so small, dressed in this man's uniform. It just looked cute and funny. It's a funny moment because both Murray, both Hopper and Joyce are like, what were you doing talking to that guy? And Murray's like, he was nice. He seemed like a nice guy. They're like, a nice Russian spy? He's like, yeah, he, he seemed nice. And Hopper's like, yeah, great. We should invite him over when all this is done. Following Dustin's orders, they walk up a few steps uh, to this platform where Murray takes a grate off the floor, which leads to the ventilation system. And Murray is like, ugh. Anybody want to trade jobs? Bald Eagle, do you copy? Bald Eagle, I repeat, this is Scoop Troop. Do you copy? Yes, I copy. <laughs> Call sign? Bald Eagle. Please repeat. Bald Eagle. This is Bald Eagle. Copy that. Good to hear your voice, Bald Eagle. What's your 20? We reach the vent. I'll contact you when I need you. Until then, silence. Roger that, Bald Eagle. This is Scoop Stroop going radio silent. 10-10, over. I hate children. I love the look on Dustin's face at this moment. Like, you can see he's so kind of like proud and almost like showing off how how good he is at knowing the jargon of talking on the radio and steve gives him a nice pat on the back like he's proud of him too i thought that was pretty funny so murray goes down into the vent and says to hopper and joyce remember if anybody says anything to you and they've heard this before because they both repeat back to him yes just smile and nod and they wish him good luck and he starts crawling as hopper puts the cover back over the grate and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the last time Murray and Hopper see each other. <sighs> Back in the mall, uh, doesn't look like Eleven did much. Maybe she helped, I don't know. But it looks like they uh, did it using physics. Uh, Mike was pretty proud of that. They used a bunch of poles to um, kind of use as, as levers to give them leverage. And they flipped the car over. And Jonathan and Nancy uh, opened the hood try to kind of find where that cable is, as Max notices Eleven going through some garbage. Eleven finds a can of Coke, new Coke, and then she takes it, puts it up, and she tries to crush it, you know, as she did back when she was a, a much younger kid. Doesn't seem to be working as Mike and Max approach. So Nancy and Jonathan get the hood open, and they are looking around for the cable, and, oh, God, Will feels the hair on the back of his neck stand up. Oh, I don't like this. Suddenly, there's this loud banging. Max looks up and notices the ceiling glass shaking and cracking. And oh no, the monster here. So Mike calls out to Nancy. They realize that the monster is up on the ceiling and they make a run for it. Just as the monster crashes down into the mall and lets out a hell of a roar. 
Yeah, okay, that was a little scary. I would run too. We cut back to the uh, you know the Russian base below the mall, and the elevator is racing down again. But this time, as it opens, we see the Russian thugs. It's that one scary Terminator-looking dude and three you know, kind of less impressive-looking Russian schlubs. I don't know. They don't they don't scare me like this uh, like this main crew cut guy does. They walk out of the elevator and they find those dead soldiers just strewn about, three of which um, have their uniforms removed. So there's no doubt now uh, it is known that there are filthy American intruders in their house. We cut over to two of those filthy Americans, Joyce and Hopper, uh, and Hop's nervous. He's, he thinks it's, everything's taking too long. Uh, and, of course, that leads to them to start bickering. But um, things quickly calm down. You know, I think despite everything, I mean, despite the arguing, I think we make a pretty good team. Well, we made it this far, haven't we? Yeah. We did. We did. So, uh, did I get the job or what? Oh, come on. Detective Byers. That's a ring, doesn't it? It's kind of hard to serve in a time where you don't live, Detective. You're still moving out of here. I mean, that is the plan, right? Yeah, we'll see how it goes. How it goes? How what goes? You know, if, if we actually do make it out of here, we, we deserve to celebrate, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. Absolutely. Your Enzo's is pretty good. What do you say, Friday, 8 o'clock? likes to watch Miami Vice on Fridays. It, it starts at 10, so I, I can't be out late on Friday. Uh, okay, well, how about 7, then? 7? Enzo's Friday. I meet you there. No, you pick me up. Picking you up 7 p.m. Friday. Yeah, it's a date. clarification just because I I mean just if, when you say date just so that we're crystal clear about things so yeah, we're confu- yeah stop talking or I can change my mind yeah okay yeah long clip but uh look this is the finale I'm not gonna hold back I liked it um it was worth it it's a nice personal moment for them uh, just to kind of take a breath and just talk to each other. And again, knowing what we know now, you know, at the end of this episode. Or at least knowing what Joyce knows now. Because we know more than Joyce at this point. Um, this is sad. Makes me sad. We cut down into the vent where uh, Murray's ca- crawling along. He calls out to the Scoops troop that he reached another junction. Erica and Dustin remember that um, he 
needs to fly right because it came right after that My Little Pony discussion. Now, up on the hill, Robin is asking about My Little Pony when Steve gets their attention because off in the distance, he notices the mall and some crazy flashing lights going on down there. They run back to Dustin's radio and the Scoop Troops tries to call the mall group over and over. He keeps calling him the Griswold family, the Griswold family, which is great because if you remember, if you know, the station wagon that the... Um, Wheelers are driving looks a lot like the Griswold station wagon from the original vacation movie. Back at the mall, it looks like nobody's actually manning the walkie-talkie, and Dustin's calls are falling on deaf ears. Oh, wait, no, no, not on deaf ears, because the friggin' monster picks up the walkie-talkie. Picks it up, and it seems like he almost, like realizes what it is like he can hear the voices he can you know he can kind of like stare he i'm calling it he it um and it just throws it smashing it it's it and i'm wondering if maybe because it's made up of you know liquid people maybe it has some sort of um awareness i don't know but or it just it just reacted to the sound and it was so sensitive to the sound that it saw this thing and it wasn't 11 which is what it wants so it smashed it uh the radio smashed but it's still somewhat working uh, it falls by the smashed car, and on the other side of the car, we see Lucas, Nancy, Jonathan, and Will hiding, scared. I mean, they all look scared, but Will looks downright frightened out of his mind. And really, why shouldn't he be? He's been dealing with this monster and the Upside Down and the Demogorgon and all this garbage for so long. He, he's been dealing with the most. Uh, the monster makes his way through the mall area, and we actually see... Um, that Mike, Max, and Eleven are hiding in another spot. Now, Dustin is trying his best to reach them, but it's just not working. So Steve and Robin are like, we got to go. They take off. Steve runs um, and says, we need to get the hell out, get them the hell out of there. And Dustin throws Robin a radio so they can keep in touch and then calls out to the bald, bald eagle to ask what his 20 is. And Murray is like, I told you, radio silence. He's like, yeah, but we have a bit of a problem. And, of course, Hopper's on the same channel, so he's like, what kind of problem? And, uh, well, we don't get um, to hear what Dustin says to Hopper, but um, you can imagine they don't really know what it is. They just know there's something going on at the mall. Now, meanwhile, the adults are thinking, um, what? Everyone left. They're all at Murray's. And I'm not even sure if the Scoops Troop knows that the Griswold family is still stuck in the mall. I know Mike was calling out to him, but I'm, did I miss it? Did Dustin connect? Uh, it was a long episode, but it's a great one. Anyway, back at the mall, the monster is lurking, lurking. Turns this way, turns that way. And when it turns away, Mike, Max, and Eleven make a run for it through the gap. They, um, Eleven know there's an exit in the back of the gap. Um, so they make a run for it. I, I don't know if I've ever shopped at a gap before. Anyway, so much, like so much is happening at once. We're back with Murray, and the bald eagle has landed. He takes out Alexi's sketches, and he finds what he needs. He tells Hopper and Joyce to get ready as it's almost their turn. Back in the gap, uh, this, the tentacle arm of the monster is searching, lurking for Max, Mike, and Eleven. But he can't quite find them as they keep hiding. As this is going on, Murray just starts yanking at wires. The Russians down by the machine are freaking out, 
because they're like, what the hell's going on? The machine starts sparking, and it looks like it's starting to slow up a little. And the guy, a guy runs in with a hazmat suit, and he sounds the alarm. When Hopper and Joyce hear this alarm go off, they know it's now their turn. Then Hopper runs, uses the key card, and they rush out of that room. Back upstairs in the mall, uh, while the kids in the gap are kind of being pinned, uh, Lucas readies a slingshot. Nancy's like, what are you doing? And Lucas is just like, don't worry. He then, he, um, as the monster seems to be closing in on the gap, he jumps to his feet. He looks scared, but he looks very determined. And uh, he pulls back that slingshot. And he, at the last second, he turns to where he was aiming. He was aiming at the monster. He turns and fires at a balloon. The balloon pops, and that distracts the monster enough. So now they all make a run for it. Let me tell you, I had a slingshot like that when I was a kid. Okay, maybe when I was like in high school. Okay, maybe I was in college. Um, and uh, yeah, I was not very good at it at all. Now, down below, down below, back in the base, the alarm's going off, and Hopper and Joyce are just running, avoiding soldiers, but they run into one guy, and he asked them if Mikhail sent them. That was my Russian accent. Uh, and they did exactly what Murray said. They smiled and nodded. And guess what? <laughs> it worked. He let them pass, and they made their way to the spot they were looking for, which was the, um, like this red room with this safe at the end with a keypad. And uh, they approach that, and then Hopper starts to enter in the code that Murray gave to him. Give me the code. 662 uh, Again? Six six two six zero eight zero zero four. Yeah, that's not working. Murray, your goddamn code is wrong. What? Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I, I suppose it could be wrong. How could it be wrong? The code is a number, a famous number. Planks constant. I, I thought I knew it. Planks constant. You know it? Not by heart. You? I'm not a nerd, nerd. What are you doing? So just to paint the picture of what you just heard, uh, Murray put in the code and it's not working. And uh, I mean, not Murray. Hopper put in the code that Murray gave him. It's not working. And he's freaking out, and Murray's like, well, I thought I knew it. Alexi said it's Planck's constant, which is a, a specific number. And so Murray wrote down what he thought was Planck's constant, and guess what? It's not working. But Dustin was like, you know, he's a, he's a nerdy kid. He's a smart kid. He's a genius. Um, and, his, you know, he, he hears Planck's constant, and he's like, Something triggers in his head. He has an idea, and he starts, you know, spinning the frequency, changing the frequency, basically getting off the frequency that they're um, that they're all on for whatever this idea is. And Eric is like, "What are you doing?" Outside the mall, Lucas, Will, Nancy, and Jonathan run out to the car, and Jonathan tries to fix it with the part they took from the car inside the mall. So they're trying to get the car started. They're trying, you know, Jonathan's trying. Um, 
Lucas and Will are like freaking out. And all of a sudden you hear the car revving again. You know that Billy's out there. And Nancy stands there like a badass. And Billy takes off straight at her. Does she run? No. She starts shooting and firing directly at Billy's car. And then out of nowhere, the Todd father saves them. Steve and Robin drive their car directly into Billy's car, which now is caught on fire, and they crash and kind of swerved out of the way. You okay? Ask me tomorrow. Now the two of them are seeing this giant monster for the first time, standing on top of the mall. Then out of nowhere, Nancy and Jonathan's car with, with Will and Lucas pull up, and they climb in the back and get the hell out of there but not before the monster starts chasing them. Drive fast, faster. It's at this point of the show where things seem to just pause for a quiet moment, a peaceful moment with a star-filled sky that pans down to a house, a house with a big antenna on it in Salt Lake City, Utah. Excuse me, Salt Lake City, Utah? Utah is over 1,500 miles from Indiana. What the hell are we doing here? Susie, do you copy? Susie, do you copy? Susie, do you copy? This is Susie. I copy. Wait. It's Susie? She's real? Of course she's real. Why would Dustin lie to us? So it's it's a nice little um, reunion between uh, Susie Pooh and Dusty Buns. I did like Erica's reaction to hearing her say Dusty Bun. But when she yells at Dustin to get that goddamn number, Susie's like, who is that? And Dustin, oh, well, he lies. Right after I said, why would he lie? He says, oh, there must be some interference. Let's switch to another frequency. But... Actually, that was a slick way to get her to switch over to the same frequency as everybody else. We cut back, and the monster is legit chasing the wheeler wagon. Just want to give a quick shout-out and RIP to the Todd father. So the monster is legit chasing the, the wheeler wagon down the road. In the car, Steve and Robin overhear Dustin and Susie's conversation, and both of them look at each other like, Oh my God! Susie. Like, they didn't believe him either. Nobody did. So Dustin goes ahead and asks Susie if she knows Plank's constant. Susie's like, I haven't heard from you in a week, and all of a sudden you get on here and you ask me for Plank's constant so you can, what, save the world? He promises. He promises that he'll make it up to her. And she's like, well, you can make it up to me now. Not right now. Yes, now, Dusty Bun. Susie Pooh, this is urgent. Yes, yes, you're saving the world. I heard you the first time, but Dad is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront the shadows, so this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Okay. Shit. Turn around. Look at what you see. In her face. The mirror of your dreams. Make the 
You didn't think I wasn't going to play that entire song, did you? First of all, I just, I have to say that um, if you don't know what this song is from, maybe you looked it up after the fact, you're like, what is this song? And then you went and looked it up and saw that it is uh, the never-ending story from the film, The Never-Ending Story, that I absolutely loved as a kid. It was like the story of a kid reading a story and the story becoming real because he was reading it. And it was oh, just like, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world when I was a kid. And looking back on it now, just the, the song of it, hearing the song um it just it is it hits you in that nostalgia bug that um stranger things does so well um so definitely look up the never ending story if you haven't yet uh so anyway uh susie comes out of nowhere the entire season she was just a name and she comes out of nowhere for really an unforgettable moment uh and at the same time she doesn't realize it but she actually just help save the world. The best part of this, though, is the reaction of Hopper, who just has this look on his face like, we're doomed. It was, it was priceless. I loved it. So Susie and Dustin go back and forth, exchanging these nice, cute little pleasantries until Erica just finally has enough with it and turns the radio off, leaving Susie just standing alone back in Utah. But then Hopper gets the safe open. He uses the code. It works. Gets the safe open using that number. And gets his hand on that all-important briefcase. Back at the mall in the parking lot, Billy don't look so well, but he is still alive. He pulled himself from the uh, fiery car. Was it a firebird? Did he pull himself from a fiery firebird? That would be um, poetic. He got to his feet just in time to see Eleven, Max, and Mike trying to sneak out of the mall. Uh, but then they notice him, so back in they go. Max swings back really quick to press the button that closes the gate, but the gate closes so slowly that I doubt it'll work. Back on the road, we see the Wheelermobile. It's still chugging along and still getting chased by the Mind Flayer's monster. And then it just turns around, just heads back. Lucas thinks, oh, maybe we wore it out, but... Jonathan doesn't buy it. So he turns the car around, spins it around, and heads right back to the mall. My guess is that Billy sees Eleven. And since everyone's connected, now the Mind Flayer knows that Eleven is not in the car. Eleven's still at the mall. 
So why chase these kids? We don't care about these kids. They don't matter. All that matters is getting to 11. And that's where the monster heads back to. So Billy easily opened up that gate that Max closed. Inside the mall, uh, Max, Mike, and Eleven are, are trying. They're trying to run, but they can't go very fast. Underground, the Ruskies are going crazy. They're panicking. Murray is pulling all these levers. And then inside the control room where the weapon is, Hopper and Joyce show up. Hopper fires machine gun into the sky. It's pretty awesome. Everybody runs. And then they see the rift. They see the weapon. And the gate. And, and the look on Joyce's face. The pain that she knows this thing has given her family. And then Hopper asks her. You ready to end this? And they're ready. Ready to finally put an end to this. Back upstairs in the main part of the mall, Mike, Max, and Eleven are trying to get on an elevator to escape, but uh-oh, here comes Billy. Billy. Billy, you don't have to do this. Billy, your name is Billy. Billy Hargrove. You live on 4819 Cherry Lane. Billy, please, Max. Max pleads with Billy, tries to get him to remember, to realize who he is. I mean, you know Billy can be a dick, but he's not evil. Max feels that... Max believes this. But her words prove empty as he just walks up and smacks her right in the face. Then Mike tries to, like, defend the honor or tries to fight back, and he gets knocked out pretty quickly. And then Eleven tries to defend herself with her powers, but nothing really happens there. He smashes her head, knocks her out, throws her over her shoulder, and takes her away. The Mind Flayer has the prey that it has been searching for. And um, all it took was possessing Billy Hargrove. And I am pissed that this is going on. And, and you know, Mike tried, Max tried, Eleven tried. And they, none of, Eleven, if she was full strength, pff, it wouldn't even have been, wouldn't even have been an issue. But um, she is so weak. And so um, beat up that it just, it, it didn't work. And he just was so quick and overpowered. It was, oof, it was actually rough to see, you know, someone beating up younger kids like this. Um, back underground. We're, gonna go, we're back underground now in the same, in the mall, in the, the, the Russian lair. Hopper checks in on Murray. And Murray says he's all set. But he does have some company down there that he'd love them to obliterate. So Hopper's like, uh, we'll do. Hang tight. I'm three. I'm three. One. Two. Ah, Jesus. Before they can get to three, the effing scary Russian guy shows up. And, you know, I forgot all about him. He knocks down Hopper, think, figuring he must have knocked him out. And then Joyce kind of, they scrap with Joyce. He ends up roughing her up, pushing her, knocking her out. But... Much like The Undertaker, Hopper rises, and then the fight begins. Back upstairs in the main kind of lobby area of the mall, uh, Billy is carrying Elle out over his shoulder. And, oh, man, it just, I mean, t- t- not to take me out of the, the story, but I saw an orange Julius in the background, and I really, 
Yeah, I really could have gone for one at that moment. I could go for one right now, actually. Uh, and then he lays her down. He lays her down, like, almost gently, like he's presenting an offering. It's actually, it's, it's rather creepy. Don't be afraid. It'll be over soon. Just try and stay very still. So Eleven is starting to come too. Her eyesight's a little blurry, but she notices the monster of the flayed people goo is there. She looks panicked. Billy stands up before it like, like he's honoring this thing. And then its mouth opens wide. And one of those tentacle arms comes out, ready to strike at Eleven. And then... The Wheeler Mobile gang is back with Lucas's fireworks. I love that the fireworks came back into play. So they are throwing all kinds of fireworks at this thing, and, and maybe it's hurting it, but it's definitely distracting it and getting its attention. Um, first of all, I mean, when I was a kid, we had firecrackers, we had whistlers, we had, um, what were they called? Morning glories and bottle rockets and Roman candles, but these fireworks these kids had, it looked like they were dealing with dynamite. Actually, didn't Lucas say, like, you put a bunch of these together, it's like having a stick of dynamite or a quarter stick of dynamite? Um, He obviously knows his explosions. For whatever reason, these things seem to be thoroughly effective. Back downstairs, Hopper and the Russian, their fighting continues. They head out of the control room, and they're now in the main, I don't know, weapon room? The room with the gate in it, the, with the weapon going. And they're just standing there, mano y mano, right next to the, the weapon, kicking the crap out of each other. While this is going on, the kids are still peppering the monster with firework after firework after firework, and it definitely seems to be working. Billy looks like he's in pain. Eleven tries to get away, but Billy grabs her before she can, drags her back, to where the monster is, sits on top of her and smashes her head into the floor. And it was like, ooh, just gruesome, violent. I don't like it. We keep going back and forth, upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. The fight is continuing downstairs as Joyce seems to be coming back into consciousness. Uh, And she sees the two guys kicking the shit out of each other right out there by the weapon. The Russian fella gets the upper hand and all of a sudden Hopper's head is dangerously close to the spinning weapon. The Russian's just standing right on his neck. In the main mall, they're almost out of fireworks. Okay, they call to Dustin. They're like, we gotta get this quick. And Dustin calls to Joyce and Hopper, hurry, close it now. Now, Dustin has no idea what's going on underneath. He just knows they need to close this as quickly as possible. Uh, because the monster is getting the upper hand, and the whole theory is you close the gate and the monster will die. Joyce sees the fight going on, and while she's alone, she comes up with a plan of her own. She ties her belt around one of the keys and then reaches so close to the other key because it's two-key operation. You know, remember the two-man plan that became a three-man operation? So she's got, you know, instead of two guys or this case, a man and a woman turning keys. Uh, it's one woman with her hand reaching all the way with a belt on one key and her other hand trying to reach, trying to reach that second key, stretching for as much as she can, but she's not quite there yet. 
in the back rooms of the mall, Max and Mike wake up and they realize Elle's not with them. They're like, where the hell is she? Oh, she's still in the main mall with Billy on top of her? Oh, okay. So Billy's on top of her. Uh, the monster is freaking the hell out because of all the exploding fireworks. And uh, yeah, Mike, Max, that's where she is. Get out there. So Eleven seems to notice that when the fireworks hit the monster, Billy is having like physical reactions. So she looks deep into his eyes. And I'm not sure if there was this connection or if it's because she she had those shared flashbacks um, in their previous connections uh, in the void. I, I'm not sure what it is, but um, she tries to get through to him using these flashbacks. She talks about, you know, seven foot wave. She talks about the woman she saw and how pretty she was. And she was wearing a dress um, and it was working. You could, you could actually see a physical change in Billy's face. Like those blue veins were fading away. And there was, there was something like real in his eyes, sorrow, regret, something where you could see that I guess it, I mean, could it just, did she just talk it out of him? I don't know. I think it's some connection they, they must have shared in the void, like I mentioned. It has to be because, you know, he just closes his eyes like he's in so much pain and, and like a single tear fell from them. And 10 minutes ago, what we saw as Billy, you know, is basically a pawn for the Mind Flayer. That wouldn't have happened, but, but it did. Uh, it seems like Eleven, she, she made a breakthrough. Now, someone that Eleven is never going to make a breakthrough to is that scary Russian guy. Yeah, he's still down below and his foot is still on Hopper's neck. But while Hopper's head is only inches away from the machine and Joyce is still in the control room, reaching, reaching badly, Hopper seems to get some sort of second strength. He lifts the foot off his neck. And he kind of twists the foot, you know, gets the guy off balance, then grabs him by, like, the, the scruff of the shirt, I think, and just pulls him straight down. His head smashes into the machine. He, like, rolls back. He's hurt, but he's still trying to fight. He tries to punch Hopper, but... Hopper flings him right into the machine. He is instantly dead. The machine uh, definitely, like, gets some damage because it starts going crazy. Lightning starts shooting out of it. It's, like, spinning around, sparking everything. And the lightning actually seems to be blocking Hopper's way back out. Up in the main mall, they're, they're out of fireworks. But on the floor, Billy gets up off of Eleven. It definitely looks like he's been cured. And it also looks like he's pissed. He stands there looking directly at the monster, like standing in defiance, where just a few minutes ago he was standing there almost like in awe of the thing. At this exact moment, Mike and Max run out to see what's going on. Eleven lying there almost helpless, like still just in a ton of pain. The monster opening its giant maw and extending the tentacle, the tongue, the 
the tongue tickle. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But this thing just snaps out and tries to grab Eleven, but Billy stops it. The villain, maybe. The pawn, maybe. But the um, the bad guy, you could say, finally gets his redemption. But then another tentacle shoots out and gets him right in the side of the belly. Then another one. Ooh. Then another one. Ooh. Max looks on in horror. Eleven looks on in horror. Up on the hill, Dustin is pleading for them, yelling on the radio. In the control room, Joyce finally reached the other key. She looks up and she sees Hopper and they just both look at each other, realizing that they're out of options. Just uh, so upsetting. Up in the mall, the monster is now holding Billy aloft with all the tentacles. And as Billy just lays there, life draining from him, he lets out this guttural, primal scream of defiance. As one final tentacle just shoots right into his chest. As Max screams his name, he falls over. Down below, Hopper just looks at Joyce and nods, realizing there's only one choice. There's only one thing Joyce can do. And with that, Joyce Byers turns both keys to destroy the machine. The machine goes cuckoo bananas and explodes. The remaining Russian scientists that were down there just are obliterated to nothing. The gate closes. Joyce looks on in horror. Upstairs, the monster starts suddenly convulsing and freaking out and flash slashing this way and that. And then... It falls over and is dead. Mike runs over to check on Al. They embrace as Max walks up from behind over to Billy, who is still alive, but barely. died a hero. He died um, knowing that what he did was wrong. Saying sorry. Just Not only was he saying sorry to Max I think for what happened but almost for like how he's been. Almost like he's confessing it to his sister like I'm sorry. It should have been different. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into this but no matter how much they disliked each other or didn't get along, 
Uh, and even though they were stepbrother and stepsister, they were still family. And, you know, Max was overcome with grief. It was, it was sad. She, she's like, you'd think most of the time she wouldn't, she could care less about Billy. But when, when the reality sets in, she just breaks down crying. Um, you know, and Eleven comforts her. You know, I wrote down right here, Billy was a prick, but he died a hero. And he died saving Eleven. All right. He didn't put Eleven in that. He was possessed. But the real Billy, the Billy that came out, he died. He died saving Eleven. Downstairs, Joyce goes out to the main room, out to see what's left of the machine. There's no trace of Hopper at all. And she just breaks down into tears. As Murray actually runs into the room, gets to her, and he's like, where's Jim? Where is Jim? I don't think, did he ever call him Hopper? I feel like he always called him Jim. I don't know why. Distinction. Something like when I watched Jaws and and Hooper never called uh, Brody. He never called him Brody. He never called him Chief. He always called him Martin. I don't know. Just making a connection. There's something about the the respect of using someone's first name or the way you see them, you know, uh, or just maybe the way you are as a person. Murray never called him Hopper. And everyone called him Hopper. Joyce called him Hopper. Um, But he always called him Jim. Uh, anyway, I'm, 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 besides the point, he's asking where Jim is and she just, she just shakes her head and it's like, they don't even have time to, uh, to like cry or anything. They, the Russians, the Russians are still down there. They're not all gone. So they, um, as they make their way into the control room or yeah, into that main control room, uh, Joyce and and Murray just make a mad dash out of there, back out the way they came. Up on the hill, where Dustin and Erica have been, uh, with the radio tower, they hear something. And they look over their shoulders, and they see this fleet of helicopters flying overhead, heading towards the Starcourt. In the uh, mall parking lot, we see them land, and out comes a bunch of U.S. soldiers, and... Mr. Paul Reiser himself, Dr. Sam Owens, the one scientist that I feel like you can trust on Stranger Things. So they start making their way into the mall. In the base, U.S. soldiers start rushing in left and right as well. Uh, Murray and Joyce just come out of the vent when the American soldiers come in, and they're like, don't shoot. They raise their hands, don't shoot. We're Americans, we're Americans. U.S. soldiers are now all over the base, checking every nook, every corner. They make their way down to the weapon room, and that's where we see Dr. Owens. He sees the weapon. He sees the rift that is closed. Uh, and it just he looks at this like, oh, no, not again. Like, he can't believe that this horror story still is going on. Back outside the mall, firefighters have shown up and they're rushing in trying to put out the fires that are going on in the mall. And we look and we see soldiers walking this way and that way and a bunch of soldiers are escorting Joyce and Murray out. 
of them all, and Joyce just has her head on a swivel. She's looking every direction. She's looking, she's looking for the kids, looking for her kids. And her and Will have this great moment. They run up, they share a huge hug. I'm, I'm sure she probably asked about Jonathan, right? I'm sure she asked if he's okay. Will must have said something. They're both happy and they're both crying and they're just kind of just drained with emotion. And Joyce looks up and she sees Eleven. And Eleven sees her hugging Will and she sees Joyce. She starts to look around and she realizes there's no Hopper. Where's Hopper? And it it seems like it almost hits her that exact moment. And then it fades to black. And then the screen says, three months later. Welcome to Hawkins, Indiana. A wonderful place to grow up, to raise your family, to walk your dog. But then, on July 4th, everything changed. A terrible tragedy struck this small town. But this was not this small town's first brush with tragedy. Mysterious deaths, government cover-ups, a bizarre chemical leak. Is it all linked? All a vast conspiracy? The fault of a disgraced corrupt mayor? Or is something more going on in the heartland? Can a town itself be cursed? Some believe a rise in Satanism is to blame. To find out, tune in tonight at 8 p.m. for Horror in the Heartland on Cutting Edge. So three months have passed, and it opens up with a very fun montage that reminds me of an old show that um, used to be called Current Affair. It's a show I watched when I was a kid that was kind of like all these... Like, what's going on with this, this, you know, this small town? And um, it's fun. It, it kind of, so this is poking fun at that. It's like a TV promo for some, like, you know, cable news show. And it talks about uh, the horror in the heartland. What's going on with mysterious disappearances or deaths? It showed Bob Newby. It showed Barb. It talked about a chemical spill, so I'm sure that was some cover-up story. Uh, it talked about corruption. It showed the mayor being taken away in handcuffs. Um, but it also talked about Satanism. And when it, the Satanism, it zoomed in on Dungeons and Dragons stuff, which I thought was hilarious because there was actually a move, like a book and a movie. It's kind of based on something where like this guy killed himself, with dun- dealt with Dungeons and Dragons, and there was a crappy TV movie made. It was supposed to be like Wizards and some Wizards and Warlocks was the name of the movie. I don't know. Like it was an early Tom Hanks movie that he was in a little and they stuck him on the VHS cover. I don't know. But it had something to do with like the dangers of of Dungeons and Dragons, I think. Or was it video games? I don't remember. But um just made me think of that and I thought that was uh, a pretty fun moment. Um but it as that montage ends we see a car pull up into a video store. Robin and Steve uh, head in, and they're both trying to get a job. And I'm pretty sure it's the same kid that we saw from the arcade, right? Wasn't he in season two of the arcade? Uh, And he quizzes them on their favorite movie. 
uh, oh, their favorite movies. And Robin gives like some pretty artsy movie answers, like the apartment and this and that. And Steve is like, um, er, uh, um, I don't know. Um, like he says, oh wait, 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 Animal House. Um, um, the one with Alex P. Keaton tries to bang his mom because remember he just saw Back to the Future. It was actually kind of funny that um, he uh, he remembered it even though he was so high that last time. Uh, he didn't give great answers, and the guy was like, said to Robin, you know, you start Monday, you start never, and you could see Steve was like, ugh. But Robin's like, come on, let me let me talk to him, let me talk to him. So she talks to the guy alone. He's like, look, he doesn't I mean maybe his movie tastes aren't the best, but he has other qualities. He's like, look, he was a jerk in high school. And, he, you know, I hate Harrington. She's like, no, you don't understand. OK, maybe he was a prick in high school. OK, he's changed. And here's the thing. The, the ladies still love him. They love coming to see him. In fact, there are so many ladies. There are too many ladies, too many for him to handle. Okay, that means there'll be lots of women here, women that he, that will, you know, if he can't handle them, that means they're like they would the overflow would be for for well, for her, too, and for him. Um, and she's like, he's like, what are you what are you guys dating? And then he knocks over a um, fast times at Ridgemont High um, a cardboard thing, like a billboard, whatever they call that thing. Kids, video stores were a thing. I used to work at a video store. Um and yes, you had those cardboard things everywhere uh, promoting the movies. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, Fast Times. That's one of my favorite movies, too. And Robin just gives this, the guy a look. He's like, nope, we're just friends. It was just a fun kind of little character moment to show what they're up to. You know, they, they're not with everyone else, right, moving in, with, uh, moving out at the buyers. No, they're off doing their own thing. But it seems like they are now uh, thick as thieves, the best of friends, and they're going to work together. And, oh, it, it was funny. Robin said to the guy, you know, um, we weren't fired from the, the, the mall store. The, the mall, you know, burnt down, remember? Or something like that, exactly. But um, I'm just excited to see where they go the next season. You know, Steve and Dustin's friendship has emerged over the last three seasons. And now we get to see Steve and Robin's friendship uh, emerge, which will be cool. We cut over to the buyer's residence. Well, it's still the buyer's residence at this moment, but they're moving. I mean, honestly, can you blame them? Hawkins really hasn't been that good to them over the last couple of years. But um, I still don't want to see them go. I hate change. Uh, so we see Jonathan and Nancy packing stuff in the U-Haul and inside, uh, Max, Lucas and Dustin are helping them pack things. Uh, really Max and Lucas are just teasing the hell out of Dustin. The two of them are singing the never ending story song. Um, not quite as harmonious as Dustin was with Susie. But it still, it, it served its purpose, teasing him. And Dustin just flipped them the bird. He was, he was not amused. In the other room, we see uh, Will come out with a bunch of books, a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons books. And he puts them inside a box. And Mike takes notice of this. Whoa, dude, that's the donation box. I know. I'll just use yours when I come back. I mean, if we still want to play... Yeah, but 
What if you want to join another party? Not possible. I love that moment because so much in the early part of the season, all Will wanted to do was play Dungeons and Dragons. And the other kids were focused on other things. They were focused on girls. And Will was like, come on, let's play. Come on, let's play. And it never came to it. And then as the buyers are moving away, Will goes and donates his Dungeons and Dragons books. And Mike's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Aren't you still going to want to play? He's like, I'll just play when I come back. And, you know, Mike's like, yeah, but what about if someone there, you know, what if you want to join another campaign? And Will was like, no chance that would happen. I love that because Will didn't want to just play Dungeons and Dragons. He wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons with his best friends. Anything else would not qualify. Anything else would just nothing would match that. Um, and you could see that Mike appreciated that. You know, he, he had a nice smile on his face. Will had a nice smile on his face. It was almost like, look, things are changing, but it's okay because we're still friends and um, we'll still be in touch. And when we play Dungeons and Dragons, which I can almost say, when we play Dungeons and Dragons, we'll be playing it together because that's the only way we play. We cut over to another room and we see Jonathan just having a quiet moment in his empty bedroom. 17 years of his life, he said, packed up in one day. Nancy gives him a nice hug and just says, what if I just don't let you go? And um, you could just see she's really, really sad that he's leaving. And they, they share a hug. Um, you could, it just, it's, I mean, yes, it's young love. But it's tough, especially if that is the one. I mean, come on. I was 17 once. I'm, you know, not 17 anymore. And um, the, the girl that I was with when I'm 17, she's in the other room right now. Um, she's my wife, but I don't want anything weird to sound, you know, creepy or anything. It's my wife. She's in the other room. So, I mean, this could be real love. <laughs> What I'm saying is this could be real love at this age. So, of course, the pain of being separated is real. And you could see it in, uh, in, in Nancy and Jonathan's eyes. Now, I know the two actors were dating at some point, so that feeling is probably easy for them to muster up. I don't know if they still are. I have no idea. But um, I don't know. I just I wanted to share that moment because especially when you're moving out of a, a room. I mean, I... Whenever I move, ooh, I like I get sad. I think about the old place and the new place. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Um, especially like think about the house you spent your entire life in. That's that's a big one. Uh, in the other room, Eleven's also trying to help pack things up. She spots a teddy bear that's up on the top of a closet on a shelf, uh, and she goes up there. She can't quite reach it, so she tries to use her powers, and she just like. Strange, but no luck. They'll come back. I know they will. Thanks. You packed your walkie, right? Yes. Because you know that I'm going to steal Cerebro from Dustin and call you so much you're going to have to turn it off, right? <laughs> Did you talk to your mom about Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the okay. I'll be there. 
And then I was thinking maybe you could come up here for Christmas. And Will, too. You can come before or after Christmas or whatever Mrs. Byers wants, but I was thinking Christmas Day could be super fun because we'd all have cool new presents to play with, and, uh... <laughs> Sorry, I made me sound like a seven-year-old. I, I like presents, too. Yeah, cool, yeah. I like, I like presents, too. Cool. Mike? Yeah? Remember that day at the cabin? You were talking to Max? Um, I don't think I follow. You talked about your, your feelings, your heart. Oh, oh, yeah, that. Man, that was so long ago. Um, I don't know, it's just heat of the moment stuff, and we were arguing, and I don't really remember. What did I say exactly? Mike. I love you too. Okay, look, I'm far too old to have these mushy emotions for a TV show, teen romance. And yet, here we are. Whew. Great moment. I'm sorry. I know I'm playing these long clips, but you know what? This is the finale, okay? We don't know what's going to happen at this point. we got to play these clips to remember these characters at this moment. This is where we last see them, pretty much. Oh, great moment, great moment. Um, those two kids are just made for each other, aren't they? But yeah, it seems like her powers still aren't working. Meanwhile, Joyce is in another room, and she's folding up some clothes, and she ends up folding one of Hopper's police uniform shirts. Uh, when she finds a piece of paper in one of the pockets, she takes it out, and it was the, the notes that he wrote for that heart-to-heart talk that he had, he was, you know, planning with Joyce so long ago, the conversation that he wanted to have with Eleven. Just as that happened, uh, Eleven walked in the room, asked about donating that teddy bear, and she noticed the letter in Joyce's hand. What is that? Uh, it, it's the speech Hop wrote for you and Mike. Speech? Yeah. You know, the heart-to-heart. He never talked to you, did he? (sighs) Can I read? Something I've been wanting to talk to you both about... I know this is a difficult conversation, but I care about you both very much. And I know that you care about each other very much, and that's why it's important that we set these boundaries moving forward so we can build an environment where we all feel comfortable, trusted, and open. sharing our feelings. I 
feelings. Jesus. <laughs> the truth is, for so long, I've forgotten what those even were. I've been stuck in one place, in a cave, you might say, a deep, dark cave. And then I left some egos out in the woods, and you came into my life, and for the first time in a long time, I started to feel things again. I started to feel happy. But lately, I guess I've been feeling distant from you. Like you're, you're pulling away from me or something. I miss playing board games every night. Making triple-decker ego extravaganzas at sunrise. Watching westerns together before we doze off. But I know you're getting older. Growing. Changing. And I guess, if I'm being really honest, that's what scares me. I don't want things to change. So I think maybe that's why I came in here, to try to maybe stop that change, to turn back the clock, to make things go back to how they were. But I know that's naive. It's just not how life works. It's moving, always moving, whether you like it or not. And yeah, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's sad. And sometimes it's surprising. Happy. So you know what? Keep on growing up, kid. Don't let me stop you. Make mistakes, learn from them. And when life hurts you, because it will, Remember the hurt. The hurt is good. It means you're out of that cave. But please, if you don't mind, for the sake of your poor old dad, keep the door open three inches. <laughs> If you didn't think I was going to play that entire thing, you're out of your mind. That was so heartwarming and gut-wrenching, and it's just like, oh. So Elle's reading this letter, and we see like a montage of it as it's going on. Uh, we get a montage of the friends all saying goodbye to each other and crying. We actually get to see a flashback of Hopper working on the notes and the speech in his cabin. Uh, we we see they're gone. At one point, they drive off. Jonathan, Will, and Eleven are gone. It's kind of a weird little time thing they do here because um, while 
they're leaving, we also then cut back at the end of the letter and we see Eleven still reading it, and then we see them leave again from like a different angle. Um, so Jonathan, Will, and Eleven and Joyce are gone. They're driving, they're moving. I don't know exactly where. I feel like they said it early in the season, but they didn't say it here. Uh, and the rest of the kids just get on their bikes. Mike takes one last look back at the buyer's residence, and then he heads home. They head, he heads home, and when he gets home, you could just see he looked completely exhausted and sad and broken down. His, his, his girlfriend, the love of his life, is gone. And um, But, you know, he talked about Christmas and Thanksgiving, and they'll see each other, but that, 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 when you're a kid, you know, two days is forever. And he just goes in, and his mom gives him a big hug. Um, and then we see Max in her room, sad, alone. Why wouldn't she be? I mean, Billy is gone. Now she's, unfortunately, she's stuck behind with her mother and that terrible stepdad. We, see, we do see a nice moment. Those... D&D books for donating, Dustin took them and he gave them to Erica. Remember, she's quote-unquote not a nerd, but she seemed pretty happy getting them. And remember, I said they kind of played with timing here a little bit. So now we go back and we see uh, them all head out of the house again and we see Joyce now alone, just kind of standing at the door of the empty house for one last moment. She gives a look around she takes a deep breath, and then she closes the door. And then the credits roll, and that is the end of Stranger Things 3. Or is it? It fades to black, but there's no theme song, there's no music playing, and all of a sudden we start to see something else on the screen, and as more of it shows up, we realize it's snow falling. And we hear wind blowing. And then all of a sudden, we start to see something. And then on the screen, it says, Kamchatka, Russia. So we seem to be in some sort of Russian prison. And we see these two Russian guards, and they're like, no, not the American. They go to one door, they say, not the American. And they go to another door, and they open this, you know, cell, and this Russian dude is freaking out. He's like, no, no, not me, please, no, 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 no. And they drag this guy, and they drag him down the halls, drag him through this place, and they take him, and they throw him in this room. And he lands in this room, and there's all this red stuff, possibly blood, on the floor. And he's, like, begging for his life, begging for them. And they close him in this room alone. And then it reminded me of, like, Return of the Jedi, where they take and they crank this thing open, and this door opens up. And the guy in the cell is just, like, beside himself in horror. And we look, and inside this door... Something starts to 
come out. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's a Demogorgon. It's one of those Demogorgon dog things. And, wait. Is that standing up? Oh my goodness gracious. And then this monster goes right up to this prisoner. Now standing on two feet. Just goes right up to it. Opens up its face. And, well, you can imagine what happens next. And now that is the real end of Stranger Things 3. That little button, that little extra little scene, just, um, my God, it provides so much, so many questions. First of all, did the Russians have other gates going? Did they already have a gate open? Did they open the gate before and get this monster out? Is this monster left over from another gate, from the original gate? Is this, um... Like, where do they get this this Demogorgon monster? And how, like, are they just feeding it to keep it tame? Like, how many prisoners have they used? How, all these questions. Who is the American? It's got to be Hopper, right? That That's my first thought. I know we've seen previews of things since then. But right away you think, oh, my God, Hopper is alive somehow. Like, did the, did the weapon blow him back? Did the weapon, ooh, what if it put him in the upside down? And they got him out. Remember, three months have passed, so they, they maybe were doing more experiments. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm spitballing, just finishing the episode and not reading anything else. Um, so maybe the laser shot him into the upside down, um, and he got out. Uh, but when he got out, one of these creatures came with it. So they put him in a prison, and they've been trying to figure this creature out. Ever since, oh my God, oh my God. There is just so much to think about, so much to unpack. I mean, the season's over, but we know it's coming back. We know there will be a Stranger Things 4. When is it going to happen? I'm not entirely sure. I'm starting to see some headlines. You know, obviously, um, it had to shut down production with everything going on in the world. But I hear shows are starting to come back. So hopefully we will have um, some news on that soon. But what do we know at this point? We know that they closed this gate and the Mind Flayer once again was um, foiled. The monster was created, was defeated, destroyed, I'm sure, burnt up, right? Didn't they burn it and destroy it? Um, and the monster's gone. Um but the Upside Down still is there. The Mind Flayer still is there. Uh, and it still wants 11. Isn't that the ultimate goal? It just needs to find another way out. Um, but 11, Will, and Jonathan moved on. They are there with Joyce to wherever they moved. Um, things are going to be different. I mean, gosh, every year these kids age so much. Um, and from what I understand, season four isn't even going to be the last season, which is just spectacular. My hope is that I don't take another uh, year to finish a whole season. That is, that is the goal. That is the goal. But uh, I feel really good right now. I have been, you know, I was doing other podcast projects uh, last month, and that's what delayed things. And then you, I started uh, putting everything together, and it, it takes a little while to get all the notes and all the sound clips done for me. 
Uh, but once I hit record, that's when I'm like, ah, I can relax and just kind of talk and try to make sense of some of my notes. And I just feel really good about finally getting this episode done, finally getting this season done, and really being up to date with everything Stranger Things. But that being said, this isn't the end of the podcast, okay? There will be more. There will be things coming soon, very soon. Um, And there's going to be an episode pretty quickly after this kind of talking about what's next. Uh, And I hope you guys tune in. hope you guys check it out. It's all Stranger Things related. Um, But it is something we can do together to kind of bridge the gap as we wait now for however long we have to wait until we get Stranger Things 4. But until then, I want to thank each and every one of you for sticking with me through these long delays. And uh, I appreciate it so much. For you guys, um, you know, with all the iTunes, Apple um, reviews, I really appreciate it. As I, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before um, when I was recording, because some of this I recorded yesterday. But we're available on Amazon Music now. I don't even know how that works. But if you have Amazon Music or Alexa, you can listen to us uh, through there. Uh, and, of course, Spotify, uh, where I think most of you are from, Apple Podcasts. Uh, just we're available obviously everywhere podcasts are available so i would gladly appreciate it if you stay subscribed because there will be more coming um and in the meantime you know you can find me every day on twitter at geek mentality that's my personal twitter handle but the show also has a twitter account it's at stranger d pod because I couldn't think of, you know, like I couldn't make a more confusing Twitter account. So at Stranger T Pod, Stranger D Pod is the podcast uh, account. At Geek Mentality is my account. And the website is fansnotexperts.com. Everything I do for podcasting is there. Stranger Things and all the other stuff that you probably won't have any interest in. But if you do, you could check it out and uh, maybe there'll be something that you like. Um, but this is the only podcast that I do like this. This is the only podcast where I, I prepare and I actually do some production. A lot of my other podcasts, I just hit record and talk, um, which is a lot easier, but it's not as gratifying when you finish, uh, putting everything together. And this was very gratifying. And yes, this was my longest episode, uh, yet, but still, I thought it would be a little longer. It's not as long as I thought it would be. Um, but you know. All good things must come to an end. So, um, yeah, this is it, my friends, for now. But believe me, you'll hear from me soon. But this is it, talking about episodes. There are no new episodes of Stranger Things to talk about. So we are done. Thank you so much. And until you hear from me again, beware the Russians.
fans, not experts. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.